This is Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Mahomes the snap, Raiders bring four, Crosby off the edge, gets on his back, and brings him down back at the 18-yard line. Again out of the shotgun, pressure up the middle, floats one to the back corner of the end zone, over the shoulder, grab, touchdown, Hunter Renfro! This one, no doubt about it! As the clock will head towards zero and put an end on the 2022 Raiders season. That concludes Link with a loss to the Chiefs here at home, 31-13. Live from the Underground Lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Been throwing out the question there on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r What was the most disappointing about the 2022 season when it comes to the Raiders? What was most exciting about the 2022 season? Again, hit us up, 69187, keyword r Don't call us right now because on the phone lines is my brother from Central Texas at Steven Simcox, host of Locked On Horn Frogs, used to be my co-host, my buddy there at ESPN Central Texas. And, Steven, we're talking about a national championship game, my man. TCU, your alma mater, you're the host of the Locked On Horned Frogs going up against the big, bad SEC in Georgia. You know my thoughts. You know I never thought we'd be having this conversation. But what are your thoughts knowing that we're having this conversation? Man, Q, it's good to hear from you. But, uh, yeah, it's just cool to hear you living your dream like this, doing doing radio in Vegas, doing an outstanding job. Um, as far as TCU goes, it's really surreal. I, I wish I would be the guy that was like, oh, yeah, I saw this coming. I definitely did. I thought TCU would be better this year, but I didn't think they'd be in the national championship. As you said, I mean, like in college football, it's not like the NFL. You know, there's not there's not a lot of parity at the top. It's usually the same old kind of usual suspects. The committee is pretty particular in who they let in. So the fact that they let TCU in was, was a big moment for the, the university and the program. The fact that they got it done against Michigan was huge and you know, they're heavy dogs again tonight, but, hey, whatever. I mean, it's one 60-minute football game, and they're going to defy the odds all year. So I'm excited to see how they go out there and compete against a really, really good Georgia team. Yeah, and that's it, man. It comes down to one football game, and a lot of people thought Michigan was going to run them out of the building, and they didn't, right? And they, they played physical, they played fast, they played strong. Uh, defensively and offensively, they got after it. So uh, what are your expectations? Like, how do they get after the Georgia Bulldogs tonight? What do they got to do? Yeah, I think it starts with the defense again. I mean, they were able to get those interceptions. You know, we returned two interceptions for touchdowns, which was big. Had some big stops in the first half. And then Michigan kind of found their rhythm and started throwing the ball on them. Um, But they were still able to to hold them at bay and win that football game. So getting off to a a fast start would be huge. I really, you know, as much as they've done a good job having comebacks this year, I just think if you get behind a couple scores early against this Georgia team, then you're, you're asking for a long day. So, if they can get off to a fast start again, that would be great. Um, you know, defensively, just getting stops, trying to maybe force a few turnovers. And then on offense, I really think it's just doing what they've done all year. I mean, they've been a really explosive football team, Q. They've found a way to push the ball down the field um, and use some of their skilled players to create big plays. And Georgia showed against Ohio State they're at least somewhat susceptible to that. Maybe not a lot of teams can, can do what Ohio State did throwing the football, but TCU's got a really good passing game. Uh, they got a huge receiver on the outside, Quentin Johnson, who you know super well uh, and has developed into just a, a monster of a player. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of finding a way to, to hold their ground on defense and then just doing what they've done on offense all year, creating big plays and, and scoring you know, as much as they can to, to sort of force it into a game that's more their style of play. 
Again, we're talking with Stephen Simcox here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned Quentin Johnston, of course. That goes back to Temple, Texas. We know Temple, Texas, and Temple High School very well. How cool has it been for you to be able to see Quentin with TCU and even Jared Riley, or Jared Wiley, excuse me, this year with TCU? And we know him so personal from the high school level. It's been amazing. And, I mean, both those guys, like especially Quentin, he was a, a, a great player in high school. Obviously, that's expected. He's playing Division One college football at a high level. But – I didn't really know what to expect from him. I mean, sometimes he would sort of, he just, he didn't necessarily have that, like, the alpha mentality that you'd expect from number one wide receiver all the time. And so I, I wondered about going to, you know, college and, and taking the next step. But he's answered that criticism in a huge way. And really from the moment he stepped on campus, you know, he's been an impact player for them. I think this season what they've done really well is they've just found the way to get him the ball in space. You know, he's not just a deep threat who's going to go up and try to catch a 50-50 ball anymore. They'll throw it to him on a little bubble screen or on a curl route and let him use that big body and big frame to get past people, get around people. He moves so well for his size, and I think they've exploited that as an offense. That's been fantastic to see. But Quinn's a really good young man. Um, you know, He's handled uh, the, the three seasons he's been at TCU wonderfully, and so it's, it's just awesome when you see hard work pay off for somebody. And um, I know that he's put in a lot of time and effort to become a great player, and it's really come together for him this year. Uh, and he'll be playing on Sundays next year. <laughs> he'll be yeah, playing he on Sundays next year. Again, Steven Simcox is our guest here. We're talking all things TCU, Horn Frogs. So, uh, Kendra Miller, that's a big question. Is he going to be playing tonight? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Q, I don't think he's going to go. I mean, I think he obviously mm. wants to play. He's told people he's going to give it a go. But um, he's got a sprained MCL, and I just I feel like at the end Ooh. of the day, the coaches and trainers are kind of looking out for him and saying, Hey, this is not this is not a great idea. If you're going to be limited, it's limited if you're not 100, percent then it's probably best that you're not out there. I, I, he's going to suit up. I would, I could see him getting a few carries. Maybe they put him out there for a series just to see what he's what he can do. But um, I think it's going to be Amari Di Mercado, who's been their backup this year. He's been really solid for them. But it's a big loss. And Kendra Miller ran for almost 1,400 yards. He's been a bell cow for them. Um, you know, he scored a touchdown in every game up until that Michigan game where. He went down early with the injury, so uh, it's a, it's a it's a big loss. But um, you know, I, I don't honestly know. I would love if they could run the ball in Georgia. Q. I'm not sure how well they could do it. Nobody's really done it this year. So if they can figure out a way to to get it done, it would be a huge factor in this ball game. But obviously, not having Kendra Miller available makes that an even tougher challenge. And um, you know, Jalen Carter in the middle for Georgia. He's just such a great player. It, it's hard to find ways to move him and, and get past that front seven. You know, you talk about the Cinderella story. I want to say Cinderella. I don't want to sound disrespectful, but, I mean, again, no one really expected TCU to be where they are right sure. now. And really no one expected Max Duggan to be where he is right now. Hell, he didn't even start out the season as a starting quarterback. I mean, how, where, did this come, where did this guy come from? And, I mean, just what kind of makes him go? Well, I, I think he's always had a lot of the intangible qualities that you're still seeing today. You know, he's, he's always been tough. He's a guy that can make things happen with his feet and his legs. Uh, but the first few years of his career, it was really, you know, if things broke down, he would scramble and get yardage. Uh, and, and he had a strong arm. Like, you could see that he could make some of those throws that not everybody could make down the field. But the problem was there just wasn't much accuracy there. I mean, and, and going through his progressions and doing a lot of the things that you have to do in the pocket, um, he wasn't developing. So he lost the job out of camp and – I mean, he handled it really well, but he wasn't the starter. Um, Chandler Morris got hurt in the first game in the second half against Colorado, and then 
Mac really took the job back and he just never let it go. And I think they've they've done a nice job of simplifying things for him um, and uh, you know giving him easy reads, giving him easy throws that he can make. And then as the years gone on, he's gotten a lot more confident. And now you're seeing a guy that's that's playing at his full potential. But it's a crazy story. I mean, Cinderella's story's right. And you know, for Max, sometimes you'll see quarterbacks in college that have a rough season and then they bounce back. But I really can't think of anybody who had. I mean, for three years, this guy was not to be not to be mean about it, but he was a pretty mediocre quarterback. And all of a sudden, now he's playing. You know, at a super high level, he was a Heisman finalist. He's got this team in the national title game. So. It truly did come out of nowhere, and um, again, he's one of those guys that's easy to root for because you saw a lot of the great kind of qualities he had on the field early in his career. It just didn't translate to success. So now that it's come together in a huge way, um, it, it's really cool to see. But I expect him to play well tonight because he's right. He's you know he's risen to the occasion uh, every time he's been asked to this year. But um, it, it's been an incredible transformation that Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator, have made with Max Duggan this season. Talking right now with Steven Simcox. He's the host of Locked On Horn Frogs in preparation of this uh, TCU Georgia National Championship game that'll get underway in about 30 or so minutes. And Steven, you mentioned Sonny Dykes, man. And look, we both were at ESPN Central Texas. Baylor was going through a coaching search. Sonny Dykes' name came up, and there was many that were adamant that Sonny Dykes is not the guy. He's a terrible head coach. Yeah. Well, here we are. A few years later, Sonny Dykes is in the National Championship game. What have you thought of him as the head coach there at the Horn with the Horn Frogs? Well, man, if, if there's some, if there's some California fans listening, if there's some Cal fans listening right now. They got to be shaking their head because this this yep. is not the Sonny Dykes that they saw when he when he was at the helm there for the Golden Bears. I mean, he got fired. Like it was it was a rough couple seasons for him. Um, he, I think he's done a couple things. One, you know, he was a true air raid guy, and um, obviously, like Mike Leach, rest in peace to him. That, that was tragic that he passed away recently. Um, and Sonny Dykes was one of those coaches that learned under Mike Leach. You know, he was all about throwing the football. It was just, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to change for anybody. And after that experience at Cal, um, he said to himself, you know, I gotta, I gotta be more well-rounded. Like I have to run the ball, but I have to find a way to run the ball better, and I have to have a good defensive coordinator who's going to help me play complimentary football. And so he started doing that at SMU. They were doing better. They improved a lot, but I mean, they were never a team that like they weren't playing for conference title games. It was just a cool story. It was like, oh, SMU's kind of fun. They, they're scoring a lot of points. They're winning more games than they were before Sonny Dykes got there. Um, and so when he took the job, I mean, I, I thought it was a good hire, but I wasn't just blown away. I didn't think they were going to immediately turn into a contender. But um, he's, he's done an amazing, you know, 180 here at TCU. And uh, I just – I guess the thing I didn't realize about him, too, is he's a really good CEO. I just feel like he understands what people do well. He lets – kind of do their job he's not like a head coach that's necessarily you know in every single detail and wants to know everything that the OC and DC are doing he kind of lets those guys handle their business and he just sets a really good culture um, and, and I think this was a TCU team that was hungry to win like they had been there for a few years there was some talent on this roster but they kept underachieving and so a new voice in there um, even though Gary Patterson had done such a great job for so long just getting some new blood in there, somebody with a new perspective, I feel like helped this team a lot in just, you know, kind of changing what they were doing and changing the atmosphere there in the locker room. You know, one of the things I, I like about TCU and what they bring to the table is their toughness, man. They're very physical, and that's one of the reasons why I think that they had their uh, opportunity to beat Michigan as they did beat them to get to the national championship game. We know Kaz Kazadi really well as well. 
Uh, he, yeah. he's, he's the strength and conditioning coach. How much has he helped with that toughness and that physicality that TCU has? I mean, he's he's been the tone setter. There's a, a funny story that multiple players have told, but Wes Harris, one of their offensive linemen, said what he – you know, when Sonny took the job, Kyle was the first person that actually spoke to the team. And apparently he stood up there in front of the group, and he was just silent for about 30 seconds. And then he looked at him and he said, this is going to be the last time you ever wonder what I'm trying to do up here. And they just kind of <laughs> fell in line after that. <laughs> he, he, he commanded their respect. And, he, you know, he told them, like, I, I guess this wasn't happening the last few years of the Gary Patterson era, but he told them in the offseason, he was like, hey, we're, we're working out at 5 a.m., like five days a week. This is what we're doing. Um, and to their credit, you know, a lot of guys could have just been like, peace, I'm out of here. I don't want to be a part of that. But they bought into it. And uh, I, I think injury prevention has been huge. Like, we're talking about Kendra Miller tonight, which is unfortunate. But overall, they've stayed really healthy. This offensive line, um, if they get through tonight healthy, they'll have made every start this year with no injuries, which is crazy at that position given how much you're, you know, you're hitting people. But they are physical, and that's kind of been something they've you know, hung their hat on all year is we're going to come out and we're going to hit people, and we're not, like, not going to be the typical Big 12 team that just allows everybody to push us over and tries to win with our skill talent. Uh, and so he's, he's been the guy that, that set the tone for them and that made them um, into a, a more complete football team, and it's, it's paid off in a big way for them. Again, we're talking with Steven Simcox here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. One other guy that we know very well, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, man. We've seen him grow from midway school to where he is now in TCU. He's actually going to be here this uh, next week for the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl game. Uh, we're going to get to see him up close to personal. How much have you seen that young man grow, and what do you think his potential could be on the next level? Well, I mean, hey, QDBs win games. That's what, that's what ha, you That's say. right. <laughs> that's right, baby. <laughs> and, uh, Trey, Trey's had a great year. You know, he's, I mean, he's he's kind of undersized. I'll be honest. Like, he's 5'9". Yeah, he is. I bet he doesn't like hearing that. He, he, he's 5'9", he's, he's Kira's a little shorter than that. That's what they live from that, 5'9". I, yeah, I, th- I, think he's, I think that's a generous 5'9". <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, he makes up for it by, like, he's, he's going to play press coverage. And, you know, you saw it in the Michigan game. You've seen it sometimes this year. He'll probably get a few penalties. He might get a penalty tonight. He might get a pass interference or holding call. <laughs> but you, you live with it because, I mean, he just doesn't give up catches. He didn't give up a reception in that Michigan game. You know, I think – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think his pass rating this year when teams have thrown at him is, is like, in the 30s. They've just had no success. So it's helped his defense a lot because they feel like, all right, we got a guy that can, that can man up and play one-on-one. And so it allows them to kind of give attention – to other players to give more attention to the run game. Um, I think at the next level, you know, he, he's he's not somebody that I imagine will go day one, maybe day two, but more likely maybe day three. And, and yeah. that might just be because of his size. Um, and, and I don't know if teams will, will look like he's – he played safety in high school. I think he's more of a corner, though. But I know this. I know he's super competitive, and I know he's not going to back down from anybody. So, no. so whoever drafts him is going to get a guy that is going to go at, at people and – you know, there's there's a lot to be said about that, and he's he's a really skilled corner, um, and so I think he can play at the next level. I don't I don't believe he's like a number one lockdown corner in the NFL, but I, I certainly think he's somebody that could could play and and could make a roster and be somebody in a nickel package or something like that immediately. Yeah, I think he's got a role. That's for sure. And I mean, that dude, he's come obviously comes from uh, some good 
some good, uh, you know, bloodlines with uh, being the what the nephew of LT. So nephew, yeah. uh, you know, he he's got some he's got some good bloodlines there. Well, we'll wrap up with this, Stephen. Uh, as a as an alum of TCU, if if uh, they were to win tonight and win that national championship, take your professionalism off, take your host of the podcast off. What would it mean to Stephen Simcox, the alum of TCU, to see them bring home a national championship? Oh, it would be amazing. We're popping champagne. We're staying up all night. I mean, we're just we're just enjoying it. It's TCU, brother. You said it at the beginning. I mean, like even even the most optimistic TCU fan, if you told them before the year you're going to play Georgia in the national title game, they would have laughed at you. So hey, go go shock the world, frogs. And if they do it, um, it would just be incredible because this is because like. This is a program that played in Conference USA. They played the Mountain West. They really had to work yep. their way back to, to just get a seat at the table in the Power Five. And so to be playing one of the big dogs is, is, is pretty remarkable. So, yeah, it would be it would be the best moment of my sports fan life. Before this, it was the Mavs winning the title in 2011. But if you got it done, I could, I could say that was the best sports moment of my life, Q. So they popping champagne in McGregor, Texas, huh? That's right. <laughs> I don't know where That's we can find I'm... it, but we'll find it somewhere. <laughs> I heard that. Well, look, man, you come out to Vegas, I'll get you champagne any time of the day, anywhere you want it, man. I got it. So it's an endless supply. So uh, go, Frogs, man. I got your back. I hope you win it. And if they do, I guarantee you one thing, your interview request will go up in a major, major way to be on radio shows across the country talking all things Horned Frogs. So uh, go, Horned Frogs. Keep doing what you're doing and i hope the family is good my man thanks you same to you buddy and i appreciate you having me on the show thank you no doubt no doubt there he goes that's my guy steven simcox host the locked on horn frogs used to be my co-host there at uh, espn central texas uh myself it was him and uh, also craig smoking it's so funny we tell that story about uh sunny dykes when uh, baylor was looking for a head coach craig was so adamant do not get sunny dykes he's a terrible head coach well here we go sunny dykes is a national championship game at tcu Little small Baptist school in private school in Fort Worth, Texas. Little bruh. Matter of fact, they're little bruh to little bruh, right? They used to be in the Mountain West, like he said. I mean, they, they've, they've had to really scratch and claw to get where they're at, and they have an absolute chance to take home a natty. That'll be fantastic, and I definitely hope that they get it done. The fighting Trayvon Merricks versus the fighting Zamir White. 418 is the time. We're here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. we got a lot more to get to. Your texts, your calls, and more locker room sound. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Been throwing it out there as we're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're getting ready for the National Championship game. We just had a preview from the TCU side of things. I was going to get a preview from the Georgia side of things when I thought that the game actually kicked off at 5, and then I realized it kicked off at 445. So uh, my Georgia guy hit me back and was like, Q, the time that you want me to come on is the time that Basically, the game gets kicked off, so that wasn't going to work, but it's okay. Uh, we kind of know who Georgia is as they're defending national champions. But the question that we threw out there to you, what was the most disappointing about the 2022 season that you have for the Silver and Black, and what was most exciting from the 2022 season? Got a lot of great feedback by way of phones, by way of the text line, also by way of Twitter. And as a matter of fact, got hit up from uh, Lady Raider 559. She said, biggest disappointment, all the leads that were lost, all those games we should have won. And I think that that's one that's really a big one uh, for, for Raider Nation. I, thought, I know that was a big one for me this year, was seeing all the big leads that they had, 17-point leads. 10-point leads is one thing to let that get away because, well, 10-point leads happen. 
They have it real quick, fast, and hurry in the NFL. But a 17-point lead, man, you've got to find a way to hold on to that and not lose it, right? It just, you just can't. And the Raiders did that more times than not. And even the, the game against the Cardinals where it was a 20-point lead, that was a real tough pill to swallow. That just, you know, that just, again, can't happen because it's just, well, it can't, <laughs> right? I mean, there's just no two ways about it. You've got to find ways to hold on to those leads or you're going to end up with a 6-11 and season like the Raiders did. So thank you so much for that. Keep those uh, texts coming in and the calls as well, 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line is 69187, keyword r I've mentioned so many times about one of the bright spots of the season was Josh Jacobs. Not only did he win the rushing title, today he was given the Craig Long Award uh, that's given to uh, the, the, the player that basically the local media is able to communicate with the most. Uh, it's actually the Craig Long Award is presented annually to the player who best exemplifies professionalism and collaboration with the media at large, meaning they're not a pain in the ass to work with. Right. I mean, some guys just don't want to speak. And I get it. You know, you're not you don't have to want to speak. But to be able to allow us to go in there and do our job and talk to him for a couple minutes following the game, uh, wins or losses, is always something that everyone appreciates. And it, it, it helps paint the picture for everyone listening. Or if you're reading someone's work, if you're reading Vinny's work or Vic Tafer or Tashawn or, you know, Ed Graney, to be able to have that kind of access and to be able to communicate is a really good thing. And so Josh Jacobs did that. And, Damon, you remember uh, we got the – we got the um, – you know, the, the ballot just the other day, or we got the, the request from the Raiders. Uh, Will Kiss sent it over and said, hey, you know, can you guys vote on this? Um, and the, the voting ends on, I forget what day it ended, but they were like, hey, we need the, you, you know, your thoughts. Give us your top three, and then uh, we're going to announce the Craig Long Award winner. And we gave, who was our three? Josh Jacobs was one. Amik yes, Robertson Amik. was the other one. And then Jerron, right? Yep, yep. Those were the three that we picked. And, look, we could have easily picked Max Crosby because, as you heard from the 13 minutes that we had earlier, the Raiders really had a bunch of good dudes in the locker room that were easy to talk to. Um, you know, Max gave us time each and every time we asked for it. Uh, Amik was fantastic all the time. And Jerron, I thought, was really good. And not only was he really good, but he's very informative about, you know, kind of breaking down details of what he was looking for. Joined us on the show multiple times. So those were the three guys that we picked, and Josh Jacobs went ahead and won the thing. And I thought that that was really cool. And I actually I had the sound when Paul Gutierrez, he gave him the award in the locker room following the media session, and I don't know what I did with it. I thought I sent it over to DeMond, and I didn't, and so shame on me. Uh, maybe we'll have it on tomorrow's show. It was only about a minute long, but it was him uh, you know, giving him the award. And Josh said, he said, oh, man, that's dope. And he's like, you know what's funny about this is there's times that I come in the locker room and I don't even want to talk to y'all, <laughs> right? And so we thought it was funny because he said it like that, but at least he's being honest. He's like, and I get it. Sometimes I'm sure there's a lot of folks that don't want to talk to us, but they still go about their business and do it. And that's what we could appreciate about Josh Jacobs. And he was very blunt when he talked to Vinny in, uh, in, in Pittsburgh when he was frustrated and he was saying that, you know, he's been here four years and he, he hasn't got the winning, but he was, he was honest then and he's honest after losses. And even talking to us on Sunday following the, the – or Saturday, excuse me, following the season finale, a game that he didn't even know he was going to play in, didn't anticipate playing in. He was very emotional. Like, we weren't talking about rushing. We weren't talking about this, that, and the other. But you could tell that, you know, the thoughts of, of his pops and what was going on with the emergency heart surgery that his, his, his pops had to go through, that was what was so important. And he even says in that, like, you know, family to me is most important than anything. So I wasn't going to come back and play, but because he told me to is the reason I did. And then he also said that he, he thought that his six-year-old son did really well 
for calling 911 and saying that, you know, something ain't right with Grandpa. You know, I, I can tell something's not right. So can you imagine being a six-year-old and being in that position and having to do that and then having to hear from his dad, like, hey, did I do okay? Did I, was I okay? And Josh was like, man, I had to tell him that he did great, right, because that's, that's, that's a lot for a six-year-old. I couldn't imagine a six-year-old, me at six years old, trying to pick up the phone and tell 911 what's going on with my grandpa. At six years old, I probably would have been running around grandpa. I'd be like, come on, catch me, catch me. And be like, you know, you can tell he ain't doing well. I'd be like, what's wrong? Listen, you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have been able to pick, pick up on that. So clearly his son, you know, is, is pretty sharp. And to be able to pick up, pick up the phone and call 911 and, and, and help out his grandpa is, is a big deal. But today we had an opportunity to talk to Josh Jacobs in the locker room. Uh, obviously, it was a little bit, you know, better of a note. It wasn't as emotional. It's still, obviously, his pop still has a, you know, a long way to go and in, in, in getting back to being 100%. But he's in a much better mood today uh, as they were cleaning out the locker room and just closing out the, the season. Here's that conversation we had with Josh Jacobs. Josh, you just won the Russian title. How does it feel, and what do you take from this season now that the season has ended? Uh, I mean, I guess it, I guess it feel good. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't really feel no different. Uh, obviously, uh, it's a testament to you know the team and you know the guys that that, that helped me along the way. Um, so you know that's that's definitely dope to be able to experience that with them. Uh, for me personally, it's just whatever for real. Josh, uh, Josh McDaniels, David Ziegler talked about you kind of embodying everything that uh, they want this team to be about. The characteristics, um, kind of indicating that they want you back next year. How do you want to be back next year? And do you feel like it's going to work out? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously for me, it got to make sense. Uh, but I mean, this is obviously where I want to be. Uh, you know, I, uh, coming in, um, I remember sitting down, you know, with Max and all these guys, and you know, just talking about the Raiders organization and, and the culture, and uh, want to be a part of, you know, the, uh, the change. And um, I still feel that way. Um, so. Hopefully, I'll be back. Of course, we, we heard some kind of pointed comments from you after the, the Steelers game. Did, did you ever waffle on that? Was there ever a moment where it was like, hey, maybe I should go somewhere else, see what I can do? Uh, I mean, I feel like you always have them kind of them, them thoughts in your head. I, I, it wasn't enough It wasn't enough thoughts for me to really like take it seriously. Uh, it was just more so of me uh, trying to get the guys to figure out what we need to do moving forward. You know, uh, I'm all about progression, you know, even in even in life um, and, and at times where I feel like I'm stagnated, I get, you know, frustrated. So um, that's just the thing for me, you know, just having the, the right group of guys together and uh, everybody having the same common goal. Um, and I feel like once we, once we get that down, um, everything else will take care of itself. Did you see enough this year from the team that you think that we could build on this and yeah. move forward? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely uh, had the right mindset, especially by the way that we go about working and, and things like that. Definitely the the best working group that I've been around since being in the NFL. Um, it's just about putting the little pieces together right now um, and identifying what those little pieces is, identifying each player's role and um, just trying to, execute that to, to the fullest. Aside from the accolades that you got and numbers this year, we have a new coach, a new system. What was the big positive that you took away from this year being under this new regime? Uh, man, like I, like I said, I mean, obviously Gruden, you know, is a, a great football mind, but these guys, are, I, I, man, they just take it to another level, you know, uh, just when it comes to the way that they explain, you know, things and, and the way that they, you know, utilize certain guys and things like that. Um, so just learning their office of playbook, learning the terminology, um, and you know, and then taking it in and putting my own little spin on it, it's definitely been fun. 
you feel like you guys are closer to being where you need to be? Uh, definitely closer. I mean, uh, it's kind of hard to say because you don't really know who's all coming back next year or not. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if we have half of the locker room different next year, it's almost like we starting over, you know. So, you know, it's, it's hard to really say. But the guys that's definitely uh, been in here, I can say we've definitely learned a lot together, um, you know, through, through ups and downs, hardships or whatever. Um, and, and just how to be a pro and how to be a, a football player and a, adapt and, and adjust to situations. So um, I'm definitely proud of this team. Josh, for yourself personally, these past 12 months have had a lot of highs and lows both on and off the field, obviously. How would you describe just was going through that, that process? Oh, uh, man. Uh, I would describe it as life, man. You know, life comes with, with, with peaks and valleys. And, um, you know, it's just how all about how you handle it and how you how you go about each situation. Um, you know, even in the rough times, you know, I feel like that's when you got to dig in deep and um, work even harder. Um, so for me, I just try to, you know, embody that. And, um, you know, coming in here with these guys and, you know, them seeing a smile on their face or them uplifting and being encouraging, it just makes it easier, you know. So, like I said, I got the utmost respect for the for the coaches and, and for this team. Josh, the line between what? success and failure is so razor thin in pro sports. How far away is this franchise, you think? I mean, if you look at every game except, like, one or two, I mean, you're right there. You know what I'm saying? They're right there. And I, I feel like, you know, the good teams, you know, the, the teams that's going to be playing in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, they execute it when it matters. It, it, like I said, football, for the most part, it comes down to five, five or six plays that can change the outcome of the whole entire game. Um, and just learning how to, you know, change the outcome in our favor is the thing that we're going to have to learn moving forward. Does it help to reinforce or solidify like kind of what you said, what these guys in this organization means to you with, with all you've been through in the last week? Yeah, man. I mean, like I said, uh, the, the day after the game, um, and you know, uh, people that I don't even talk to that work upstairs, you know, that I might have a, a, a conversation with once a month, um, checked on me, you know, things like that, and or sent flowers and, and, and things like that. So, I mean, that's just huge for me, you know, feeling like you know they got my they got my back and you know they they support me um, as a man, you know, what I'm saying more than just just a football player. So, that's definitely been huge for me. Any f feeling of maybe nostalgia, like when you're leaving today? You know how, like, when you leave high school, like, man, this might be the last time I see this. Yeah, I feel like I get that every year, man, because, you know, this league is so crazy. You know, so many people come and go. Um, and it's, it's crazy because you grow relationships with people. You know, you, you meet people's families and you spend time with them. Um, and, you know, they, they become a snitch in your family almost. And, um, you know, when it's time to leave and you're not knowing the uncertainty of if you will see them again or if you're going to, you know, see them at the same capacity, it's, it's definitely something that you think about. On that note, um, if Derek doesn't return, you know, what does that mean to you? What has he shown you and helped you grow help you grow in this league? Yeah, man, I mean, the, the biggest thing I take for, from Derek, man, is uh, just, a, just a great person he, that he is, man. Uh, you know, you know, me and Derek went to church, you know, a couple times together and things like that. And uh, just to see him, you know, be be with his family and always be so like loving and supporting. Uh, that's the that's the thing that I take from him the most. I mean, he's just he's just a great, great dude for real. There you go. Running back Josh Jacobs in the locker room uh, as they were all cleaning out their lockers today. For the most part, uh, Josh McDaniels, he had his uh, season wrap-up press conference around 9.30. was very heavily attended. And if you're on Twitter and you see the tweet from Vic Tafer, you'll see how many people were in the Raiders' locker room uh, in the big scrum that was around 
Josh Jacobs. And in, early in that, you heard Vinny ask him if he wanted to be back. And one of the things he said was, it's got to make sense for me. Joel Corey from CBS Sports, we've had him on the show. He is a former agent. We talk about contracts. We talk about money. We talk about what makes sense. Joel Corey put out a tweet, what makes sense to Josh Jacobs on a long-term deal may be different than what the Raiders think. If I'm repping Jacobs, my first offer would be reset the running back market. More than Christian McCaffrey's $16 million, uh, per year after leading the league in both rushing and uh, rushing yards from, and yards from scrimmage. So rushing and yards from scrimmage uh, is what Joel Corey is talking about. 16, basically a little bit over $16 million is what Christian McCaffrey's making. And he says that would be my first offer trying to reset the running back market. Now, that's probably what Josh's agent will do is, is put out that kind of a number and say, hey, this is what we're looking at. And that makes sense. You're supposed to do that. The thing about it is the Raiders have many options that they can exercise to make sure that Josh Jacobs doesn't go anywhere, uh, including the franchise tag or even the exclusive franchise tag if they want to do that. The exclusive franchise tag is a little bit more uh, incentive-laden and money-laden, and you know it's very where no other team could talk to him. I don't think that they would get to that extreme, but they could definitely use the franchise tag to try to make sure he stays around in town. I don't expect him to go anywhere be 100% honest. I really don't. I don't see a lot of teams breaking the bank like that money that Joel Corey's talking about that reset the market for a running back. But there could be teams that have so much money that they're like, well, the hell with it. We'll pull the Jacksonville Jaguars, do what they did uh, last year, just throw stupid money at, at, at and I don't mean stupid, like he doesn't deserve it, just like over-the-top money where they can't say no to it. And the Raiders have been in that position for a lot of years where they had to super overpay to get guys to go there. I don't think that they're in that position now. Obviously, as a free agent, you still are going to overpay for guys, but I don't think that they're in that position now because they do have the facilities. They do have the stadium. They do have other guys that are worth playing with, like a Max Crosby, like a Devontae Adams, you know, like, like a Hunter Renfro and a Darren Waller. So guys are going to want to play with those kind of dudes. That's what the Raiders do have going for them in their quest to keep, keep a lot of uh, free agents and also be able to attract some free agents that they're trying to bring in. Uh, that is something that I think is uh, in their favor. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, Paul Gutierrez, he, he, had, um, he presented Josh Jacobs with the Craig Long Award, which is just the local media award. He explains what it is. And, Damon, great job. Cassie Soto saved the day. Uh, she had a tweet out with the audio on it. So where I failed to get you that audio, she came through like the first of the month, and you found it. So kudos to both of you guys. Here is that earlier today when Paul Gutierrez, uh, he, he presented Josh Jacobs with the Craig Long Award. The, you know, you got your Pro Bowl bids, um, you got the rushing title this year, so this might pay a little bit in comparison, but the actual kind of reading here. Yeah. Chosen by a select group of local media and facilitated by the Raiders Media Relations Department, the Craig Long Award is presented annually to the player who best exemplifies professionalism in collaboration with the <laughs> collaboration with the media at large. So you're following the footsteps of C. Wood, of Darren Waller, Max Crosby. So on behalf of the reporters that are on the beat and that voted for you, thank you for your uh, for your help and uh, just a little something for the season to oh, show. That's dope, man. That's dope. I appreciate this. Yeah, so <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, sometimes, you know, coming in, I'm like, man, I don't want to talk to these dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, what it means. That's what it means. Yeah, no, nah, I appreciate this. It's, it's definitely an honor. I'm definitely putting this in the man cave. So. Can you show our cameras? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there it is right there. That's uh, the presentation. It was short and sweet. Uh, but I thought it was funny when he said, man, there's times I've come in here and I don't, I don't want to talk to y'all. But uh, he still does it. And that's what, you know, we can, 
we can say is very appreciative on my end and you know being able to even bring sound back to the show and back to Radio Nation Radio 920 to pass it along. I know that you can go and find stuff on the internet, but for us as a radio station to be able to have that and know that we could bring it to you, sometimes we're the only we're the only, you know, like you might not go searching for Raider news. You might just get it by listening to the Morning Tailgate or JT or unnecessary roughness and so for us to be able to have that and some great content from jj has been fantastic matter of fact mailman raider max just hit us up on the don't be broke.com text line at 69187 keyword r&r i can tell you this after listening to jj he gone biggest disappointment to me was raider red zone offense never came to fruition what i look forward for is the hope that we get this coming off season that's mailman raider max and i i, I asked this question max what makes you think that he's gone what did you take away from that five or six minutes that we had with Josh Jacobs that makes you feel like he's gone? Besides the fact that he said, I want to be here, it's got to make sense. But what made, you, what, made you, what made you feel like he was gone? And, again, I ask this not being a smartass. I ask this being in all sincerity. Like, what, what, did you, what made you feel like he's definitely gone? Because I, I, don't, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like he wants to see this thing through. I feel like he's one of the many in that locker room especially from that 2019 class that wants to help change the culture. Max Crosby, he's a guy that wants to change the culture, wants to get back to winning. That's what Josh Jacobs, in my opinion, wants to do. If you picked up on something that I didn't pick up on, let me know. Again, I'm not being a smartass. I'm dead serious. I'm just trying to see. I'm trying to get inside your brain and hear what you heard that made you feel that way. Uh, Got a text from Mark in Jersey, my biggest disappointment, a playoff team with a lot of promise to a top 10 2023 draft team. That's Mark in Jersey. And, I, that's understandable. You know, everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to go to the playoffs. But I'll tell you, man, every win is not created equal. And what I felt like I saw from the Raiders in, in 2021 was a team that had a lot of fight and had a lot of heart and found a way to get into the playoffs. And I give them all the credit in the world for that. To go through hell and high water to get there, I got to give them credit for that. I don't think that because – and this is – I felt – and I was actually guilty of this. I said the same thing, that, hey, they were a playoff team a year ago. They should be a playoff team this year. But, again, everything is not created equal. And so I think it took a little bit of stepping back to realize that maybe that team really wasn't a playoff team and that they were just finding ways to win games, similar to the Minnesota Vikings this year. They find ways to win games. How many times have they been right down up against it and found a way to win the game when I thought that they would lose? I just think that as opposed to the the team last season – those games that they, they found ways to win, they're not finding ways, or they didn't find ways to win this year. So that's what, that's what I feel like is the difference. And so I don't know how much they were a playoff team except for you are what your record is as opposed to who they are this year. There's obviously a lot of holes that have to be filled. You know, we could talk about the quarterback position all day long, and I even said on my podcast today that there's three things that this Raiders team has to do this offseason regardless who the quarterback is. I'm not even talking about the quarterback. The O-line has to be addressed. There's some people out there saying that that's a top 10 offensive line. You're wrong. <laughs> they are not a top 10 offensive line. If anything, I'd say they probably overachieved from what they really are. They're not a top 10 offensive line. That needs to be fixed. Jermaine Illuminor, I know Slow Jam James, I know that that's your guy, but not this Slow Jam James, but the other Slow Jam James. Jermaine Illuminor should be a rotational guy at best. You know what I mean? He should be a swing tackle at best. He should not be someone that's relied upon all the time they need to get big time tackles if they go and draft one at number seven overall so be it if they go out and get one in free agency so be it but that has to happen the defense has to be overhauled like no bs it has to be overhauled completely 
when I can look at that team and, and on defense and say there's one cat that I know is coming back and nobody else, I don't know anyone else that is a must to have back outside of Max Crosby. And I think when you heard from him earlier today, you pretty much picked up on the same thing. Third, they've got to get, they've got to get some dudes that are, are absolute dogs. Like Max Crosby said, you've got to have some guys that want to be great. You know, they, they, just, they just have to. Obviously, they've got to find their quarterback of the you know, future, this, that, and the other. But, uh, uh, again, speaking of dogs, Josh Jacobs, re-signing him is a must in my opinion. They've got to find a way to get it. Uh, got a text from the 707. I don't think you use that line. It's got to make sense for me if you plan or want to stay. If you want to stay, you just play plain old say it. No, I, I don't agree with that. It's got to make sense for me is something that you would say when it comes down to financials. It's got to make sense. I mean, the money does have to make sense. They can't, they're not just going to get him at a bargain basement. He said he wanted to be back, but it's got to make sense to him. I mean, he literally said he wants to be back, but it's got to make sense. Making sense is, is all about money, right? He's not going to go in there and take a, a hometown discount like a lot of people say. So I don't agree with that. Um, Mailman Raider Max said the first line and knowing that the Pats way doesn't overpay. Well, that, okay, if, that, if you're basing it off of what the Patriots do, then, yeah, okay, I can see that. But I think that Josh McDaniels is a big fan, a big fan of Josh Jacobs, and I don't think that he's going to want him to go anywhere as far as I'm concerned. So we'll see. I mean, we can all have, our, I guess, our, our own interpretation of it, but from everything that I've seen from hearing from him, and, you know, just talking to him in the locker room, locker room he, he wants to be back. But the Raiders can't just, you know, they can't lowball him, right? Got another text from the 707. Biggest difference from last season to this season is last season they found ways to win games that they should have lost. This year they found ways to lose games they should have won. Not the same. One is much worse than the other. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. You know, that, that's also fair. When DeMond says, let's go break, 447 is the time. They have kicked off in L.A. Georgia and TCU is underway. And, ooh, just missed a big play opportunity. We'll let you know the updates, plus we'll close out the show. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. You know, some things in life for me just don't make sense. This has been a fantastic show. I do appreciate all the feedback that we received. It's going to be a hell of an offseason, no doubt about it. I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. But some things don't make any sense. And before we, before we get to doesn't make any sense, I do want to go out to the phone lines because if you call, I do want to make sure I get you on. So, Raider Mac, we're going to get you. You're, you're going to be the last call, and then I got a riff on what makes no sense. So, Raider Mac, what's on your mind, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Q? Hey, and Demond. Hey, two things. The first thing is I, I thought – the good was Devontae Adams. I didn't realize how much of a dog and inspiration that kid had. Man, that dude is the real deal. You know, yeah. he ain't no prima donna. That kid, when you just listen to him, man, he was just he he, he surprised me. I didn't think you know he's he's quite he's a quiet kid, but man, when 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 you hear him speak, the passion that that's what I love about him, and that was the good to me. The bad is Nate Hobbs. I know a lot of people go probably say, why are you That's saying true. Nate Hobbs? Nate Hobbs is not an outside guy. He's a slot corner. It showed this year, and I said that at the beginning of the season. I said, you got to leave Nate Hobbs in that slot. That's where, that's where he was good at. He, was not a, he wasn't good on the outside. It's just not, some guys are just not, it's just like some, some guys are not good um, 
coaches. And I want to want and last thing, I, I know you say a lot of people um, like Vegas and all this other stuff, like you know players for the free agent. But here's the thing: here's one of the problems that you're going to have. People talk, and Josh Daniels. I don't know how many people want to come play for him, and 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 that's a real thing. You, yeah, there's a lot of guys in the league. They talk to, amongst each other, and Bradbury was one of the kids that decided to go to Philly, and it was and and the Raiders offered him more money, but he just didn't want to go into no, they didn't. A no, they didn't. That, that's false. That's false. Thank you for the call. Bradbury didn't get offered more money by the Raiders. The Raiders actually said they wouldn't even pay him anything close to what the Eagles paid him. They didn't offer him more money. I, I and I understand what you're saying, but I haven't ran across one player yet that didn't enjoy working or playing for Joshua Daniels today, as you heard from some of the sound that we played. And Nate Hobbs, I will I will uh, agree with you on the point of Nate. Uh, he was disappointing, and he'll probably tell you he was disappointing. A lot of that was injury, and unfortunately, he got injured again on Sunday or Saturday. I didn't realize it, but in the locker room today, we saw his hand wrapped up, and we asked him about it. I thought it was the same injury. It wasn't. It was a new injury. So that all of a sudden now is becoming a recurring event, and he was a little disappointed. I know he's going to go into the offseason to rehab. That's going to be something to pay attention to. So I think you're spot on when it comes to, to Nate being disappointing. But I think you're wrong about the Bradbury situation, and I think that you're, you'd be surprised how many players would like to work for a hit coach Josh McDaniels because he is so football-oriented, like Max Crosby was saying earlier. But you also mentioned dogs, and this is what we'll close out the show with. You mentioned dogs. Two things that I'm very irritated about. Speaking of, the dogs, the Bulldogs just scored a touchdown. <laughs> this all ties together, man. It all ties together. The Bulldogs got a 21-yard rushing touchdown from quarterback Stetson Bennett, so they lead TCU now. They should be up 7-0 after the extra point. But Willie Ramirez is, our, is a guy who works with us on ESPN Las Vegas on Cofield & Company. He's currently at Twin Peaks across town in Henderson at a remote. And just like we have here at the Underground Lounge, we have our tablecloth. Our tablecloth is gray here, which is fine. Our tablecloth for ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, is white. And what does Willie have with him? His dog. And I understand he loves his dog. And most people that own dogs, they do love their dogs. But there's one thing you don't do is you bring a dog around something white. So he has the dog with the white tablecloth around him. And so I'm sure that that white tablecloth will not be white next time I see it. So I'm going to have Willie Ramirez have to take it home and clean the damn thing or take it to the dry cleaner. That's going to be – he's going to use his talent fee today to clean that tablecloth because I guarantee you it ain't going to be white. Other thing I want to say about a dog is something that happened to me yesterday when I left the house. I walked out of the house as we were about to go meet Vegas Jess and Michelle for, uh, for, for dinner, nice restaurant, and there was the largest – pile of dog poop I've ever seen in my life. Like, it looked like a human might have left it. It was so big. And I don't understand why we're the only house on the block without a dog, but yet we're the only house on the block that continues to get dog poop in our yard. And this one was so large, like, the person who, who let their dog leave it had to feel bad about it, right? It was so bad. Like, there, even, even little Sarah said, man, that thing looks fresh still. Like, that's how real that was. Like, I feel like someone had just left that thing there. Like someone was like, you know what? Q's house is around the corner. Let's go drop a deuce. That's what it looked like. That's how bad it was. So now I've ordered signs from Amazon that basically says, take your blank elsewhere. And it's a picture of a dog and it's got a little, you know, avoid the noid type symbol on it. Like basically it's that. Like I shouldn't have to put that in my yard to tell you not to leave it in my yard when your dog leaves it in my yard. It doesn't make any sense. 
just clean up after your dog. I know S happens, but it doesn't happen in my yard. And if it does, I'm going to be the guy that does it, not you. It did happen in my yard, as Vegas just said. 4.56 at the time. That's it for us. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.